let's open up in prayer and uh, see where God leads. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be in your word. God bless now your word. Bless us, the receivers of your word. Give us boldness, Lord, to take your word from this place and live it out like we've never lived before. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been in the place to say something like this? I'm too short. I don't have all the degrees. I don't dress as smartly. I don't have the right clothes. Should I go on? I don't look smart. I don't feel smart. I'm always broke. This side is with me all morning. <laughs> I don't have the fancy technology as so-and-so has. You ever been there? And you know what's funny? This season, when we should really be proclaiming the birth of Christ and enjoying what all of that means, we turn on the television and there's some guy or some lady on there saying, you need this and this is going to make you smarter, this is going to make you taller, this is going to look make you look better looking when you hit the beaches, this is going to make you... And some of us, some of us buy into that stuff. Right? Or am I the only one? Okay, I'll be the fool for the day, alright? And what I wanted to share with you, uh, this morning, uh, and, and perhaps a little later on, is, is this whole concept of being content. And if I may, if I could, uh, I'd like to share with you briefly from Paul's letter to the church of Philippi when he pens a thank you note to the church. He had received a gift, a very generous gift from the church in Philippi and um, he wrote a note, a thank you note, which took four chapters, basically to say thank you, but in the process of saying thank you, he wanted to in typical Paul fashion, leave some nuggets of truths with the church. For example, in chapter 1, Paul says to, to the church, he says, yes, I am in prison. He says, but listen, I'm okay. As a matter of fact, he says uh, in chapter 1, verse 12, he says, now I want you to know, brethren, 
that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Guys, I'm okay. Later on in chapter 1, he says, According to my earnest expectation and hope that I won't be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether I live or whether I die. And then we have that all familiar passage where he says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And so Paul was saying in, in, in chapter 1, listen, as far as my life is concerned, it's all about being in Christ. I'm locked up, but I'm locked in. It's in Christ. That's my life. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say in chapter 1, he says, I, I'm tossed. I want to be here with you and help you, but I also want to be with him. What a place to be. What an attitude to have. In chapter 2, still keeping with that idea of being in Christ, uh, Paul goes on to say that Christ is my example. Everything I do, I want to model it after Christ. As a matter of fact, he says um, in, 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 in chapter 2, verse 5, he says, Have this attitude. Which attitude? Christ's attitude. In yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. In chapter 3, he goes on to say, um, he, he lists his credentials. Um, he was uh, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Uh, a Foxillian of Foxillians. You, you, you put, put the credentials where you want to put it. And he gives all those credentials and he says, uh-uh, no. Christ is my goal. He says, Christ is my life. My life is in Christ. In chapter 1, chapter 2, he says, my example, everything I do, I follow it because I'm locked in Christ. In chapter 3, he says, my goal, my goal, my goal is Christ. And then we get to chapter 4. And he says something very interesting. He says that my strength is in Christ. As a matter of fact, if you spend any time in Sunday school, uh, you would have probably memorized Philippians 4.13. How many of you have heard it before? You'd probably be able to say it with me as soon as I say it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I share a little story with you? <laughs> it must have been somewhere in the mid-80s. I, 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 I had the pleasure of doing some track and field. And uh, I found myself, this is when it, the government schools and the public school, sorry, the government schools and the private schools would all converge on the Queen Elizabeth Sports Center. And it was a dog fight. You had every school on the island, and it was fierce competition over three days. I finally, 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 finally made the finals of the 100 meters. It just so happens that at the time in the country, there were two really good runners in the Bahamas. One was Mark Johnson, and the other one was a gentleman by the name of Boy Blue. And the thing with Mark and Boy Blue was such that, let's say in January, Boy Blue would break the national record. Well, the following week, Mark Johnson would come along and break his record. And Boy Blue would come behind him and break that record, and so forth and so on. So when March rolled around, when it was track and field time, everyone knew who was going to get first and second. It was either going to be Mark, or boy blue. So I'm in the finals with Mark Johnson and this kid who was 
called him, so I don't know what his mother was thinking when she called him Boy Blue. No, it was his nickname. His name was Boy Blue. I was so excited, so thrilled, I made the finals. The fellow said, oh, runners on your mark. And I got in that blocks, boy, and I was, I was locked in. And I prayed this prayer, and I said, Lord, I can do all things through Christ because you strengthen me. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? The fellow said, on your mark, get set. And he fired the gun. Patrick is still in the blocks. I was still praying, calling all the time out. No. And I took off. My prayer changed. My prayer changed to the finish line. I was like, Lord, let me just catch one of them. I was so upset with the Lord because not only did they set a national record on me, but I finished last. And not only did I, I was upset because I finished last, but I prayed that prayer and I prayed that prayer in earnestness. God, you can strengthen me. I really believe that day if God had given me wings, I could have grown wings on the back of my... Here's my problem. We've so misused and abused this verse. And listen to what Paul says. He says, because I'm in Christ, it's Christ who gives me the strength. And the strength to what we're going to be talking about this morning, which is to be content. Look at what he says in chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Paul is trying to say in his special way, thank you. You were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, Paul says, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also uh, know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to submit to you this morning that being content certainly (laughs) is a secret. And Paul had to figure it out. But it's something we learn. And if, 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 if there is, and if you're taking notes, this is going to be all over the place because I just want to share my heart. I've sat down the other night watching television and I was just buffeted, buffeted over and over and over again. You need this. You should get that. You should have this. You should get this. You should buy that. And we live in such a discontented atmosphere. You gotta have it. And when you have it, it's supposed to make you feel better. Is that correct? Y'all don't watch TV. No longer are we satisfied. And Paul says, listen, because I'm in Christ, 
because of me being so locked in and so fixed on who he is and what he's wanting to do in my life, I am happy. Do you know that the word rejoice is mentioned almost 16 times in four chapters in the book of Philippians? Some people might even go so far as to say that is what Philippians is about. Rejoicing, joy. But where is that joy found? In Christ. And in Christ alone. As a matter of fact, if you look at the word contentment, it literally means, it literally means self-sufficiency. That's interesting, isn't it? Let's see if we can put that word in there. In the verse, Paul says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be self-sufficient in whatever circumstance I am. Does it mean that I now make life happy for me? Is that what Paul's trying to say? That is what the world would want us to buy into, isn't it? You go out there and you make yourself happy. Even if it means getting yourself a 2012 Chevy Corvette. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Listen to what Paul said in another letter. Over in Timothy. He says to his young uh, 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 son in the faith. He says to Timothy in chapter 6 of 1st Timothy verse 6 it says but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment so how do we do this in a world where in the body of Christ we're being inundated with the stuff with materialism with you have to get this and you have to get that And it seems as if the commercials start earlier and earlier, don't they? I think I started seeing Christmas commercials from September. That's really weird. Went to Chattanooga back in August and they had Christmas decorations up already. It's scary. And they're doing this in an effort to get your attention. Well, really to get your money. And it fosters this this atmosphere of, I got to have it. This is going to make me happy. Instead of going with the definition of self-sufficiency, let me add to that. It could mean a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. Are you content? Can you say that at this point right now, I am in a perfect condition of life in which I don't need anything. Here's another definition. Sufficiency of the necessities of life. You got to forgive me for my smiling because I'm thinking Jungle Book and and Baloo the Bear singing Look for the Bear Necessities. (laughs) Are we content? Are you content? Are you happy right where you are with what you have? Some of you might say, well, 
Brother Radford, you don't understand the children I have. Are you content? Will you be content? Will you find sufficiency in Christ? Another definition says it's a mind contented with its lot. Paul says, I have learned to be content. I was doing good in my preparations and until I came to the part where it says he learned it. I used to think that it was something that just miraculously happened. You're going along and zap, you're content, you're happy in Jesus. Paul said he had to learn it. Listen to what he says. He says, I know how to get along in humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, he says, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. <laughs> Lord had fun with me on this one this week. Christmas is coming, the geese are getting fat. You hear all the Christmas jingles? I went, went, went to the mall the other day and they had all those Christmas toys out and went somewhere else the other day and they were just putting the boxes and boxes of toys up. And think with me as a parent, you're saying, boy, I wish I could get that for so-and-so. And I wish I could get that for so-and-so. And I wish... Y'all looking at me as if I just dropped out of the sky. Where, when and where do we come to that place where we say, God, I am going to rest in... You. The self-sufficiency, as this word literally means, has nothing to do with self-sufficiency in ourself. Let's make sure we understand that. This self-sufficiency comes from our knowledge of God. I am satisfied with Jesus, as the song says. I am willing to trust God to supply my every need. Do I have wants? Do you have wants? Is there anything wrong with those wants? There's nothing wrong with those wants. That's how He's made us. But will we be satisfied with what we have? Um, I've had the pleasure over the last five weeks, uh, uh, some of you know, some of you don't know, but our, our vehicle got stolen from in, in front of the house uh, in, in, uh, out east. And um, there's been a huge outpouring of people saying, Patrick, you know, if you need to borrow my car, I can lend you this car, etc., etc., etc. And even in the middle of... of driving around borrowed vehicles, here's where my sin uh, was made known to me as I was preparing for this. You know, you drive one car and you say, whoo-wee, nice! <laughs> and the time is up and you have to pass that car back on and you get another one and you say, what in the world? And you drive down the street grumbling, this old bucket of... (laughs) Contentment. Being happy right where you are. 
And you know when we do that, it brings glory to God because we say, God, I'm going to be dependent on you, totally dependent on you to supply what I need. Let me tell you something, it's hard. It is hard. And when you, especially when you walk around and you come to church and you see guys like Brother Anton dressed real nice and Brother Brad dressed real nice and you say, Lord, you look at me. <laughs> but I am going to be totally dependent on him. My hope, my faith has found a resting place, ladies and gentlemen. It's in Christ. I hope Pastor Lee's not listening to this, but I don't like sitting with Pastor Lee. You think you study the passage and you go to go to him to drop some knowledge on him, you know? Strike one, right? And you leave his presence saying, Well, mud oh didn't I miss it? And sometimes we get guilty of comparing ourselves to other people. Well, I want a marriage like theirs. I, I want children like, like theirs. Um, I, I want a job like hers. I, 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 I want to live where they live. And, and we get caught up in this and this dissatisfaction and we, we totally forget what God's trying to do. I don't mean to preach. I just want to encourage you. Be content. Find that place of sufficiency where you say, God, it's all about you. And if you choose to bless me this way, praise God. I'm mindful of a man by the name of Job. Job was kind of an innocent victim in a conversation between God and Satan. If you read the text correctly, you would have to admit that it was God who actually picked the fight. God said, have you considered my servant Job? To make a long story short, Satan says, you know what? God, you know why he liked all of that? Walking with you and turning away from evil and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know why? Let me tell you something. You take your hand off of it. God, I promise you, if you take your hand off of it, he'll cuss you to your face. Game on. I want you to hear the time frame in Job. Listen to this very carefully in Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Uh, down in verse... Uh, 13. Listen to this. It says, Now on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine uh, in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys feeding beside him, and the Sabines attacked him. And they also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped. That's verse 15, correct? Look carefully at verse 16. While that servant was still speaking, another one came 
and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and turned and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Look carefully at verse 17. While that servant was still speaking, another one runs in. The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 18, just to add insult to the injury, while he was still speaking, another also came in and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Talk about rapid fire. Here's a man who has had everything. As a matter of fact, if you look at the text, the text kind of lays out, in verse 2, fellow had seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoga oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. The man was the greatest of them all. This fellow was just, thank you. He was carrying on. And in the matter of seconds, everything's taken away from him. Everything. And listen to what he says, or what he does. Verse 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and grumbled and groaned. Listen to what the text says. It says he fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Five Fridays ago, I'm getting out. Uh, typical morning, I'm happy. I get out to turn the car on, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking somebody's playing a trick on me. Alright, it's going to show up any minute now. Somebody's going to say, ah, I got you, right? But I was able to say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, we had some rows. Lord, I mean, you know, look at them. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having that conversation with God. I was driving along one morning in, in, a, in someone's vehicle and the Lord's like, Patrick, do you know what all I protected you from that morning? I, I allowed that car to be moved from in front of your house. If this has happened to me two years ago, three years ago, man, I would have been fighting mad. Let's go call the police, call the FBI, call somebody, but let's go find my car. My happiness, my sufficiency, my self-sufficiency is not found in me and what I'm able to do, but is what God is able to do and has always been doing in my life. Troubles will come. As a matter of fact, Paul says in the same letter in Philippians chapter 1, he says, For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe, but also to suffer. 
But we buy into the salvation thing and well, you know what, I get saved, guess what? <laughs> Easy street. Oh, to be able to be like Job and in the midst of our circumstances, to be able to be like Paul, locked up, incarcerated, can't come and go as he please, and be able to say, you know what, I'm happy. You know why? Because my happiness is found in Christ. Okay, so you don't have the greatest marriage on the planet. So you don't have the best children. So you don't have the best job. So you don't come from the right family, from the right side of town. Because your eyes aren't a certain color. Because your two youngest brothers are taller than you, Peter. Yang, 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 yang. Paul saying, quit it. Stop belly aching. Stop groaning. And be content. Learn the secret of being content. He says, he says, I know how to live with one dollar. And when ten dollars shows up, I still know how to live because my living is not based on the one dollar, the ten dollar. It's based on Christ. Will you be satisfied? Listen to a couple of uh, uh, pa- uh, other passages. Hebrews, sorry, Psalm chapter 37, uh, verse 6. Listen to what it says. And then we'll close somewhere around 3 o'clock. Is that the passage I want? Psalm 37, verse 16 says, Better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of the many, of many wicked. I'll read it again a little slower. It says, Better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says. Hebrews chapter 13, where is Hebrews anyway? First Testament, New Testament, Old Testament? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. says, um, make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. For he himself has says, I, he, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So we, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what will man do to me? Ladies and gentlemen, when you go home this afternoon, on your drive this afternoon, Matthew, why don't we ask ourselves now, will we be content? Will we bring ourselves to the place where we're able to say, God, I am literally, totally reliant on you to make me happy. Now understand, not everything that God does makes us happy, does it? 
I wasn't happy when they stole my car. As a matter of fact, I don't like it when God says no. Anybody? But he has my best good. He has my greatest good at heart. And that is what I rely on. Listen to another translation. Paul says, I know in fact how to keep myself low. I know in fact how to have more than enough. In everything and in all things, I have learned the secret both to be satisfied or full and to be hungry and to have more than enough and to lack. I am strong for all things in the one who constantly infuses his strength in me. I was... I shouldn't say this. I was down in Guyana uh, last month to, to the Conakar. And if anybody is in here from Guyana, great country, love it. Um, uh, but every day they served us, every, every meal they served us had something with curry in it. <laughs> and um, so I'm sitting there miles away from home, um, um, missing my wife and children. And um, sure enough, true to form, I, I'm going to guess what they're going to give us today. Curry. God. Curry again? God, you know that stuff stains your clothes? One day it got so hot, I was sweating and I thought I smelt curry. It was coming through my pores. He infuses us with his strength to do sometimes the things that we really don't want to do, like say sorry. Like to ask for forgiveness. So what if I got to wear the suit this Sunday and next Sunday? He even gives us the strength to put that suit on again and wear it, knowing that your happiness is not in you, but your happiness is in Christ. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Plenty of us will be coming to church with long faces because we get our gift under the Christmas tree. I didn't get my iPod. Sometimes God withholds until we learn. Sometimes He puts us in situations where we are squeezed and we get to see the ugliness, the sin comes out and we have to deal with that sin. And once we deal with that, He then says, now, son, you have learned. So I'm too fat. I'm too short. I'm too skinny. I'm too tall. Paul says, learn the secret. 
be content and live in such a way that your joy brings honor and glory to God. I want to be that person. May I challenge you. May I invite you, especially this season when all this stuff is going on around us. And when people look at us, they say, wait a minute, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. There's something different about them. They don't have it, but they look happy. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the conviction that it brings to my heart. May we all come to that place, dear God, where we find our sufficiency in you. May we come to that place, dear God, where we know, where we are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you could take care of the birds of the sky, that if you could put color on a flower, that you could take care of us, your children. God, teach us how to trust you. Make us aware, dear God, of your presence. Make us walk, dear God, in such a way that you get glory that's due your name. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.